Hello and welcome back to the Albion Obsessed. I bet you all thought we were gone. Welcome to this live stream uh, to discuss all the things that have been going on with the Albion this week. It's been a bit of a roller coaster of a week, to be honest with you. Um, so it's going to be really fun to dissect where the week began and how spectacularly the week has ended. But before we get into any of that, let's see who joins us on this bumper edition of the Albion Obsessed podcast. Joe, you're up first, my friend. Joe, how are you? Well, it's bloody dusty in here, Tom. Hold on. <laughs> no, we're good. We're good. Yeah. How are you? Yeah, man, I'm not too bad. You know, it's absolutely fantastic to be back. It feels like, a, you know, it feels like it's been a long time coming. So it's really good to be back with you guys chatting football. Mr. Aaron Stevens, welcome back, my friend. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. And yourself? Yeah, man, I was like, it's just, it's just, it's just actually like a really nice thing to be back talking football. Um, it genuinely feels like a long time, and I'm going to say that quite a few times tonight. But it it does, you know, it's been a, it's been a while, a month, month or so. So yeah, absolutely fantastic to be back, and thank you very much, everyone, for joining us on this live edition of Albion Obsessed. As we go through the night, please do leave us your comments, let us know your thoughts as we chat, uh, challenge us on anything we say that might be a bit uh, controversial, because there'll be a few bits and pieces, I'm sure, that uh, your opinions may differ, but. Before we get into any of those malarkeys, Dagan, our stateside correspondent, how are you, brother? It's fantastic to see you, and that looks like a very fine shirt behind you. It is a very fine Valentine Barco Boca Junior shirt that I was happy to procure at a quite nice rate of $35, including shipping. Um, beat that price. Uh, I'm, I'm fantastic, though, uh, both because of that incoming player, because of yesterday's result, there's a lot of talk about whether this is a, a derby or not between Brighton and Palace. But what I can assure you uh, is that such a rivalry was in place yesterday evening for me when you guys were sound asleep, perhaps, between the University of North Carolina and Duke uh, in college basketball. And that is sort of the preeminent rivalry in college basketball. I'm a lifelong North Carolina fan. So the perfect nightcap to a perfect day was Carolina leading almost wire to wire over Duke and winning the game. So I, I'm on cloud nine. Shout out to Rob Morton, fellow Brighton fan uh, who runs Paul's in Oak Island. Uh, they have the most incredible mural that depicts a lot of Brighton stuff as well as Carolina Tar Heel stuff. So he and I have those two fanhoods in common. So I know he's a listener. Shout out to Rob. And uh, yeah, couldn't be more thrilled. It's excellent. I'm glad you're happy, Dagan. I like happy Dagan. We very rarely see angry Dagan, but... Uh... He does exist, I assure you, everyone. And we also welcome back Chloe. Chloe, we talk about roller coaster of emotions. As the only person who was at the Luton game in this sort of space, uh, I bet you've been on a bit of a whopper of a week. Yeah, I said after yesterday, um, I think this is one of the most roller coastery weeks I've had as a Brighton fan um, to go from that game on Tuesday where it was just, we were just annihilated, really. Um, I've never sort of, we, well, there's only been sort of a handful of games I've been to where we've just been so dominated and offered so little, and we didn't even have a shot until about the 70th minute. And then we're singing, we've had a shot, um, because you have to in those sort of games, um, just... Yeah, it, it wasn't pleasant. And then yesterday was just the exact opposite, um, you know, to not just be our sort of arch rivals, but to just completely dominate. And, you know, I've wanted to do that to Palace for ages. We've been quite a bit better than them for quite a while, I think. Um, and it was just nice to finally crash them, really. Yeah, it certainly was. It certainly was. Um, I'm going to make you all wait a little bit for for, for what you all want, because you all want to talk about us playing Palace of the Park. I can see it. I can see it. But before we do that, Joe, I want to ask you, where was your Albion mojo at midweek? Uh, you know, as Chloe says, really disappointing 4-0 loss against Luton. Who, but, you know, it's worth mentioning, they they just took Newcastle to a 4-all four, four draw. So, you know, fair play to them for that. Um, and then with uh, the transfer window slamming shut and only one uh, player brought in for the first team, 
a lot of people on social media are very unhappy. It'd been a it'd been a tough week uh, for the Albion faithful. Where was Joe Sayers at on uh, Thursday? Just want to check Thursday. You've had a couple of days to you know process the Luton game. Just want to check on Aaron's welfare. I think he just fell over. Are you okay, Aaron? You good? Cool. He's good. Um, it was on the floor, Tom. To be honest, um, I think. More so, the, the, the Luton thrashing brought out the frustrations, weirdly, of the really annoying draws we've been having recently against the teams that we sh- should be picking more points up from. And I don't want to be that entitled fan that we should be w- getting points from from teams below us. Um, but you, you've you come to expect more from this team and this squad, in my opinion, uh, over the last year. Um, so that's where my Albion mojo was just slammed onto the floor. Um, and then to have the transfer window in the way it did, obviously with Motorhood leaving um, and no other midfield option coming in, um, my frustrations took to a new level. Um, and I made that very clear in the group chat and on Twitter um, and rightly or wrongly got crap for it. Um, but, as we've said, as our friend Jack Albion says, uh, life is a roller coaster. Um, so, yeah, it's um, it's just one of those things in football where you just have to to ride the lows and the highs will come again. Um, and luckily, <laughs> they came. Yeah, and what a way to bounce back! Now, Aaron, uh, Joe mentioned there about Mo de Hood. It's been a bit of a, a mad one with Mo. Uh, came in from the summer, a free agent from, um, you know, Germany, you know, good, good pedigree. You know, he was thought very highly of a few injuries held him back earlier on in his career, but he was genuinely sort of compared uh, early on to Gundogan. Um, so quite a lot of high hopes for him when he came to the Albion, um, but it just didn't work out for him. From what you saw, Aaron, of Mo Dehoud, were you uh, disappointed to see him go or do you think it was just the thing that needed to be done? And the thing that needed to be done, to be honest, I don't think he settled well in England. You could just tell he's, he's played in Germany most of his career. So head back over there, find some form and go back out there. It's no great loss, I don't think, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I mean, I think that red card against Sheffield United was probably the final nail in the coffin. I know he started the, the next Premier League game he was available for, which I think was Burnley and he came off at half time. Um so there was, I had suppose, had hopes that he might sort of revive his Albion career. But I think when he wasn't even making the bench um, over youngsters, I think that was pretty much, you know, um, game over for him. So uh, wish him all the best in his future endeavours. It just uh, wasn't to be at the Albion. Uh, but Dagan, let's talk about the young man whose name adorns the shirt behind you, Valentin Barco. Uh, the club were very interested in him in the summer. He wanted to stay over in Argentina uh, to finish the uh, the cup games that he was playing over there. Um, I know that you, for one, are incredibly excited about the signing of this young talent. Tell the, the listeners and the viewers, Dagan, why we should be excited about Barco's arrival. You should be excited because he's exciting. Uh, watching him is an experience unto himself every time he's in the game. Watching him play uh, one of the the build up matches for the, the Olympic qualifying matches for Argentina uh, this week, just it's his name constantly off the lips of whoever's calling the game. He's audacious, he's creative, he just makes things happen. He sprints around all over the field such that you know people note he often doesn't play ninety. He doesn't play ninety because he plays a hundred miles an hour for seventy five minutes. Uh, his I don't think there's anyone like him in the Premier League in terms of their daring and craft and guile. He just makes people look silly. And I know it's a different league, but there are a lot of talented players in South America. And he's doing it against, you know, the world's best under 23s playing over there right now um, and doing the same thing in those games that he did for Boca. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to come right into our first team and be dominant. But what I will say is he will be exciting. He's going to get pushed to the floor constantly because he is a small guy, but he draws tons of fouls as it is. Um, but, you know, versatility plus he can move all over the pitch. I think Deserby will try him at right wing because he is left footed. Um, he spent most of his time, although he's listed as a left back, playing more of a left midfield, left wing role 
um, getting very advanced. He can drift inside. He started some games as a like one of five across the center mid on the inside. Really, just just a jack of all trades. Can do almost anything. Um, and so, yeah, he, he's a little undersized, and that would be the drawback. But otherwise, he's a fierce competitor. He gets after it. He reminds me a lot of McAllister in terms of the spirit that he brings, and I think he'll bring as he ages up into the team. Um, I could not be more excited. I don't know if that comes through in my voice and in my expression, but I, I'm just I'm ecstatic. Uh, I you know I think we've landed a top top potentially world class player. Um, City was in for him, and I think with good reason. I think we're gonna we're gonna be very excited. I know we felt like oh we didn't bring in a proven talent, we didn't bring anybody who's ready now to play CDM, but we did get this kid who's going to make a difference. I think, and if not right away, certainly over the next couple of years. Yeah, it's um, a really exciting talent. And thank you, uh, Dagan, for sharing your expertise there, because I know you've watched him uh, very keenly. Uh, Chloe, just really quickly, before we do get on to you know, the main event, as it were, um, how did you feel how, about how Brighton operated during the transfer window? Um, a lot of sort of mixed emotions on Twitter, which I feel are very much polar opposites. Sort of, it was either, oh my goodness, we're doomed forever because we didn't bring in X, Y, and Z. Or it's either, don't complain, trust the club, continue on where were where were you at chloe with uh how brighton did in the uh transfer market yeah I, w- I was a bit disappointed i'm not gonna lie um i did think not bringing in sort of a ready replacement for caicedo in the summer was a mistake and i hoped that we'd rectify it um in this window and we we didn't um i do think it's probably one of the reasons we concede so many goals um so I was a little bit disappointed. Obviously, Barco was a good signing. Um, completing that quite early on made me think that we, you know, might do a bit more business. Um, and some of the links got me quite excited. But we seem to be looking to sign players. But um, in the end, um, what really frustrated me was when they're like, oh, um, it's not done yet. Brighton aren't done yet. And then it's some kid going out on loan. That just infuriates me. It's like just feels like clickbait or something. Um, but I do think I'm not sure how I feel now. Um, it's weird because it was only a few days ago, but sort of seeing the likes of Fatty coming back. Um, obviously Matoma, um, Japan got knocked out of the Asia Cup, so um he'll be back. So we are getting players back. So I do think we can start to push on again now um, because we've had a lot of players out for quite some time, um, which I think is probably one of the reasons it seemed like we needed more signings. But yeah, I'm, I still think we do miss someone in that DM role, but unfortunately we just didn't sign anyone. No, I mean, I'm, I think you're spot on Chloe. I think um, I very much felt like yourself that in the summer we let, our double pivot go um, for good money, very good money, um, but we didn't necessarily replace them. But that has meant that someone like Billy Gilmore has come into the foray and he's performed admirably. But I still feel like we're missing a, a, a fantastic ball-winning midfielder. Some people will point to Belaba and say, you know, that's going to be him. Um, that well may be the case, um, but I'm yet to be convinced that he's ready to start week in, week out. Um, I would like to see more of him, that's for sure. Um, I don't want to prolong the point of the January transfer window, but I do feel like uh, perhaps some of the more negative responses were probably on the back of the Luton loss, which you know would may might have been different if we'd beaten Luton or got a draw. Um, and I wonder where everyone's mojo would have been if perhaps we didn't beat Palace in regards to the transfer window, because obviously, you know, as we say, you know, football can change how we view things. So if we came, if we lost against Palace or drew against Palace, I'm sure. The uh, the transfer window would still be at the tip of everyone's tongue. For what it's worth, as I say, central defensive midfielder. Still want one of those, please, Tony Bloom in the summer. Um, Aaron, I'm going to come to you next, my brother. Before we kicked a ball, you weren't feeling very confident. Is that because, Aaron, of just the fixture with Palace and just sort of the emotions behind that? or Or was it more to do with you know, the form that we've been in. We hadn't scored a goal in January in the league, which was obviously uh, uh, not great. We'd come off the back of some uh, clean sheets, uh, but not scoring goals. So, you know, where was that sort of 
that outlook coming from? Was that more to do with the fixture of it being Palace or our run of form or a bit of both? Expect the worst, hope for the best is what I've learned over many, many years. Um, this fixture doesn't matter if you're playing well or not. We just, we don't really seem to turn up for this fixture for some unknown reason. I'm, I'm not really too sure why. Um, and to be negative about it is just a comfort blanket for me. So when it does fucking go wrong, it's uh, it's not so bad because <laughs> I've really mentally prepared myself for it. So, I mean, it didn't happen that way. So that's always a bonus, but that's the way I've always been, always will be as well, especially when it comes to this fixture. Never, every time I think, well, we're going to go and absolutely batter him, we'll end up losing. And when we, you know, I've had that twice already this year. West Ham, I thought we'll going to get record against them. We lose. I mean, that's the first one I've seen this year in the league this season. So, I mean, that says a lot about my record this year, hence why I'm always so negative. I think, I think Chloe, you said it perfectly well. Um, you know, we've played Palace a lot over the recent seasons and we have outplayed them, convincingly so. And we haven't always got our just rewards for that. I think the last big win against Palace that I can remember was probably the St. Valentine's Day massacre, the, you know, with David Lopez, Andrea Orlandi. So we're talking a long time ago. I know we've beaten them since then, but I, well, I suppose that when we beat them with 10 men, I suppose, um, actually. So I take that back. But, you know, it's been a while since we've given them a really good rubbing. Um, so it was nice to uh, to get uh, four goals at the weekend. So let's, let's, let's dive into it. Let's give the people what they want, because that's what we are about at the Albin Obsessed podcast. Let's talk about starting 11 just really quickly because I want to talk about um, the people that he brought in, uh, De Zerbi, I mean. Uh, Bart Verbruggen for Jason Steele, who had a bit of a mare against Luton, I think it's fair to say. Tarek Lamptey, first appearance for quite a while. We'll talk a lot about him in just a moment. Our boy, Jackie Hinchelwood. Where's the shirt? There's the shirt. There it is. Respect, Jack Hinchelwood. Um, yeah, Hinshelwood coming in and Ferguson as well. So, Joe, let's talk. I know you want to, you probably want to talk about Jack Hinshelwood, and I don't blame you, but I'm going to actually ask you about uh, Bart Verbrugger. Um, came in for Jason Steele, who didn't perform to the best uh, against Luton. Um, we've seen a lot of rotation of goalkeepers this season, Joseph. It's been one of the, the one of the many many talking points of this season. Um, You've seen both goalkeepers a fair amount of times. Who do you prefer in nets? Steely or Bart? Uh, I, I still don't know. Is that is that a fair comment? I I, I don't like because they've both got howlers in them, but and they've both got really good performances in them. Like Bart yesterday was fantastic when called upon. Uh, he could have easily switched off. His mind could have wandered. So, he, like, how many shots did Palace have? Not many. Um, could he have done better for the near post header? But it was a really good header, I thought. Um, so, I don't know. Um, I think Bart, and and I, I say Bart because of the ceiling. I think he's, he, he could be Netherlands' number one goalkeeper in the next few years. Um, I, I like the way he conducts himself. I like his professionalism. He could easily come in and demanded to play every Premier League game for the fee we brought him in for. He's got the number one shirt. Um, but he's conducted himself really well. Um, and, and he's got that mentality that he's a team player. Um, and I, I really think he could go far. Um, so, yeah, for, for me, it would be Bart Verbruggen if I had to pick a number one now. I think that's very fair. I mean, Aaron, I've got to ask you the same question, just purely because you are our resident goalkeeper expert. Um, Steely or Bart? Uh, I'm sort of along the same lines as Joe at the moment. Uh, they both got Howler in him. I mean, the reason why we concede lots of goals is because we keep chopping and changing. There's your first issue. Because I've said this time and time again. I mean, the club I coach, we're currently going for the exact same thing at the moment, where we're chopping and changing keepers. 
And it's got to a point where we have to make a decision, but it's hard to because of availability. Where this is similar to the fact is they've got mistakes and they've got world-class performances in them, but which one's doing it on a less frequent level of making the howlers? And that's where the decision needs to be to be looked at. Uh, but for me, similar to Joe, probably Bart, I would say. Um, I think still this year is probably creeping back into how everyone used to see him before he came to Brighton. He's making too many silly, silly mistakes at the moment. And costly ones at that. I think that that that, that is fair. And I think, um, you know, I think Bart Verbrugge probably deserves maybe a, a run of uh, games now. Um, so, you know, I think, as you say, Aaron, no, neither keeper is going to gain any consistency any consistency if they keep getting chopped and changed. I mean, Arteta was doing the similar thing at Arsenal at the beginning of the season. He quickly stopped uh, because it wasn't working. Um, I wonder how long it'll be before, you know, it, it does stop. Um, Dagan, um, a man that we've sort of longed uh, to return. I've, I've joked in the uh, group chat, the Albin Obsessed group chat, whenever someone mentions him, I say, who? And that is Tarek Lamptey, the lesser spotted Tarek Lamptey. Um, you know, we will get on to his performance and because what a performance it was, but just how fantastic was it to see his name back in the starting 11? He's a player, that we, you know, a type of player that we've missed sorely over the last few weeks with pace, directness. Um, and I know at the moment we're, we're very short on wingers. Um, so how good was it to see someone with that sort of rapid pace in the, in the starting 11? Well, I think it's a difference. It's a difference maker, period. Um if, if you don't have to outright double him like Matoma, you at least have to give another set of eyeballs to him for fear of him blowing by someone at any moment. Uh, you know, he doesn't bring quite the, you know, the finishing edge, uh, but, you know, he used his pace, got around the end and played a lovely little cross in. Uh, and that's, that's all it takes, right? That's, that's what you need from those outside players. We have not had a player on the outside for some weeks now uh, who could do that at all, <laughs> which, you know, <laughs> unless we swing Jao Pedro out, which means he's not central. So, no, I mean, I think it's an emotional lift. I think for the crowd, Lamptey strikes me as someone who is, is beloved just despite the bemoaning of his, you know, constantly being out of the lineup. But when, when people see him, their hearts are warmed. And uh, so I think that gave a, gave a boost to the crowd. And then of course him, him being electric and him being rapid, as you said, going up and down the sideline, just, yeah, I think it's, it's good for, it's good for morale. Uh, and and certainly a problem for the defense to have to account for. Um, it's funny because you're you're thinking of. I know Tom. You would say he's not really a right back. And in fact, we've seen him do some of his best work this year on the left, uh, where he can cut in. Uh, but yeah, I, a huge addition. Hope he can stay healthy. There's always that caveat. I think that's the main thing with Lamptey. He is. He can be ridiculously exciting, and I think he's such a fantastic little player. But it's just, I, I mean, even after yesterday, I'm just thinking, how long have we got him for? We've got him for another game, two games, week, two weeks. I just, You just never know with Tarek Lamptey. Um, I, I just really, really, really hope he stays fit. But hey-ho. Uh, Chloe, another man coming back from injury was Ansu Fati, who made the bench. Um, you know, we've we've missed his quality. We've missed his... Uh, ability was it was it good to see his name on the bench and like Dagan says you know weeks without playing wingers and then suddenly we've got one on the bench we're starting with Tarek Lamptey who can play wing back as and as a winger as well um just gives us another dimension to our attack yeah it was really good to see him on the bench um and to be honest, it's nice to sort of see some of our injured players starting to come back because we've been missing them so badly. You know, no goals in the league in January. And um, I think that's probably some of the reason why. Um, so, yeah, it was very nice to see him on the bench and um, actually get on the pitch. Um, so, yeah. Certainly was, certainly was. Hello, everyone who is chatting away in the uh, the live chat there. Thank you ever so much for joining us. Please do keep your comments coming in. I know that Dagan is doing his best to address all of you. And if I don't shout you out, I do apologize. Uh, Tom is saying here, it's better than having Milner making runs on the outside. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Um, although I must admit, 
when we did play Milner, was it at left wing a couple of weeks ago? He did look, he looked pretty decent actually. Um, so, but that was a, a one-off, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, keep the keep the comments coming in, guys. Thank you ever so much for joining us on this live one. Um, and as we chat, please keep dropping them. Dan says about the Bart and Jason um, debate. Um, if both Bart and Jason were given a few more games in a row each to see who was doing better, then we could see who's the better keeper. But can we honestly say one is better than the other? Yeah, Dan, I, I get what you mean. You know, without without that stretch of games together. You know, can we make that call just yet? Andrew, welcome, Andrew. Four brilliant goals to witness this game live was spectacular. We never gave Palace any room to play. Totally dominated most of the game, apart from giving them a goal. Pedro goal was total class. It certainly was. And that's going to be a fun one to talk about. Uh, Posy Poz, how on earth is Deserby going to pick a starting 11 when all are fit and ready to play? That's something we can talk about a bit later. And Tom, again, the shot against Spurs on the left when it hit the post was his best moment here yet. Yes, Tom, you are you are correct. So, Joe, you're sat in the stands. You've just got to your seat in the north. Uh, the whistle's gone for kickoff. Um, Tarek Lamptey makes a very early run down the left, giving us everything that we've been missing for the past X amount of weeks. We get a corner, all made by Tarek Lamptey. Lovely corner in. They're, they're in the little love train. They're in the little love train. Dunk peels off. Header. Goal. Two minutes in. What a way to start. Joe, I mean, it was amazing watching it um, on my little tiny phone screen. Um, it must have been ridiculous uh, live in the stands to score that early. What, what, what was your emotions within that first two minutes? Yeah, I didn't just lag. I just have no words. Lewis Dunk finally, finally scoring against Palace. I believe that's his first goal against Palace. If I'm not mistaken. So, oh, just incredible. Like, that is exactly what's needed. You know, after such a disappointing result against Luton, um, and we've spoken so much about the about the bounce-back ability of this team, it's us define we we define that word, the way that we bounce back after a, a stupid five one loss to Everton, uh, a stupid six one loss to Villa. We go on some runs and we we get some form, and it's just so good to see that we we have that within us to start a game as we intend to go on, and just from that moment from Dunkey scoring, just co- complete control of the game. And yeah, to see Lewis Dunk peel away in front of the Palace fans. But my favourite moment that's come from the Lewis Dunk goal is the Jan Paul Van Hecker picture of him. Supposedly, I don't think he is, but it looks like he's screaming in Van Anholt's face. And it is the greatest Brighton Hove Albion picture I've ever seen in my life. And I was laughing about it for hours last night it's just brilliant um yeah but great way to start the game yeah <laughs> absolutely uh absolutely spectacular uh joanna saying i really hope we get to see more of tarot lamptey we sit in the east lower stand and was great to see him making runs and causing some bother yeah he certainly did that quite a lot um aaron you know lamptey's positioning throughout that first half he was so high up i mean on the official like bbc website and all that sort of stuff it had us playing like in a back three with lamptey and hinch uh, being wing backs but you were saying in the ground it looked Tarek was just so high up it was more like he was playing as an out and out winger yeah there was more of a four hinch would stay in right back but playing quite high up and eagle was just hanging around left back i mean yeah it was, like you said it's good to have him back but Need to keep him fit. That's going to be the real issue. But yeah, it's probably his best performance for a while. Um, but like you said, how long we're we going to have him for is the whole different question. Yeah, it, it certainly is. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a question, and anyone can chime in. Uh, Dunk scoring that first uh, that goal there. Um, how many hours do you reckon it was between our last league goal and Dunk's goal? Too fucking many. Now, I want a number, Joseph. I want a number in hours, please. Go on, Dagan's stat man. Dagan should know this. We can drop it in the comments if you like. Yeah. To fill the silence, I'll just sing a song. 
Salas Park. It's over four, isn't it? Oh, okay. It Sorry. is. Not, not between, between four and five? Yeah, it's four hours, 48 minutes. Okay, yeah. So it was uh, almost five hours of uh, Premier League football without a goal. That's, that's, um, that's almost Potter-esque, dare I say. Um, manipulated stat, manipulated stat. Um, but no, we, we, um, we turned up approximately 182 years from Spade. It certainly felt like that, didn't it? Um, but yeah, an absolutely perfect start. And Dagan, I mean, pretty much almost straight away, with a chance for a second, a lovely cross from João Pedro um, from the left. And it was I thought it was gross, but it wasn't. It was Buenanote's lovely little header, um, but it was uh, straight at Henderson in the end. But it, the impetus was there, an impetus, Dagan, that we have been missing for a very long time. Yeah, well, getting punched in the mouth will do that to you. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm going to say Luton, Luton, it feels bad to lose 0-4. to four. Luton, I think, has only lost once in their past nine in all comps. So, it's yeah, it's no accident that they showed up at home and, and played well. Um, when, when you get scored on uh, early, it's tough. When you score early, everything is a lot easier. And I think once we got that first goal, it just changed the entire environment in the stadium. I mean, imagine imagine what it's like, right? Imagine what it's like in that building, given the transfer window, given the loss at Luton, if we're going into that 30th minute and no one scored and it's nil-nil. Because without that early dunk goal, that's exactly where we sit. Um, so, it, yeah, <laughs> a game of inches, right? I mean, it, you know, if, that, his, if his head doesn't connect – it's an entirely different game. It's an entirely different mood. It's an entirely different who knows what after this. Um, so, yeah, everything was clicking. We had that momentum and and the crowds driving us. Uh, yeah, every, everybody was locked in, I think, from that moment on. And, uh, yeah, it felt like we could have scored six or seven, but just couldn't get on the end of chances. Yeah, it was one of those halves of football that after that first goal, I felt like we needed a, a couple of more uh, to be be comfortable and Chloe, uh, we got we got what we wanted. Um, let's talk about that second goal then, because um, it, it, I mean the creme de la creme, two local lads scoring against that lot up the road is um, a fantastic feeling. Um, but the ball comes out to Lamptey after being a bit of pinged around in the box. He's given way too much time and space. You can't do that against Tarek Lamptey, um, and he puts in a lovely ball. And Hinch is there. Uh, the back post, and he nods it in. As I say, another Sussex lad uh, scoring. He has been, Jack Hinshelwood, an absolute revelation uh, since coming into the squad. And, you know, we talk about the injuries and we talk about how crap that is and how rubbish that is. But I think the, the silver lining to all that is we're getting to see players like Jack Hinshelwood come into the squad and, you know, really take their chance. I mean, he's a central defensive midfielder who's playing as a, a right back and he is scoring goals in the Premier League at his age. It is absolutely ridiculous, Chloe. Yeah, I think he's a great young talent. Um, and yeah, I was saying earlier, um, if we didn't have all these players out, we wouldn't we wouldn't um, have seen these players that have stepped up, like Hinshelwood, like um, Buenanote even. Um, and they just really have stepped up. And it was great to see, obviously, a local lad um, get a second goal for us. And um, we were winning 2-0 against Palace. And it was just so brilliant. Um, and, yeah, great header, great ball in from Lamptey. I so hope he stays fit because he's such an um, asset to the club um, when he plays and when he's fit. Um, so, yeah, he's got a good head on him in Shorewood. I mean that in he's good at head is not he's got a good head, but he also does have a good head, I believe. I think you're right. He's a smart young lad. Uh, but yeah, that's the second header he scored because I think it was against Brentford he scored he, he scored the header there as well. But yeah, what a fantastic young talent. I mean, going for from scoring against Palace and what the under 18s to the Premier League in like the matter of a calendar year is absolutely bonkers and the lad has really stepped up he's one of our own he's a Sussex lad he is a what, what do they call it? he's a legacy you know the Hinshelwood name is synonymous uh, with uh, Brighton Hove Albion and also Crystal Palace uh, believe it or not 
um, so yeah, what a uh, what an incredible uh, first half it was for for the two Sussex lads. But Joe, blink and you'll miss it because a player that Chloe just mentioned, who was also really taking his opportunity uh, with the injuries, uh, Facundo Buonanotte. But before we talk about his goal, Joe, I want to talk about the Kaiser. I want to talk about Pascal Gross. Um, you know, Pascal Gross, at the start of the season, I was quite negative about Pascal Gross's inclusion in the side. And I've, I still feel, to, to, to a certain extent, rightly so, because I still don't think he's a right back. However, you know, that his game yesterday was near flawless. The, he, the way he skipped through that defence, the Brian High Press wins the ball back, skips through their defence, lays it off to Buenanote, Lovely. Talk to me, Joe, about De Kaiser. Are you just, just use your words? The, the, Tom, you keep asking me questions that I simply do not have words for. How do you describe how good Pascal Gross is and has been for our football club? I think you just he 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 really is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, footballer. I've ever seen play for this football club. He is technically superb. His head is in the right place. He's he stayed professional in that little lull that he had with Graham Potter, where he was out of the team. He stayed with the club, and now he is and has been for for a long time our biggest chance creator. Um, and you know, to to put Anderson on his ass like that. I thought it was just sorry, just to address any Crystal Palace fans uh, that are watching, if if there are any watching. I thought it was only Lewis Dunk that gets put on his ass. No, and the only centre back in the in the league. Anderson, I, I've heard, is still digging his way out of the Amex ground. So um, it's um, it, it was delightful to see, and 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 who else to get you an assist? There's Pascal Gross. Um, what a guy, um, and and long may it continue. Yeah. He's um, you know, he's getting on in years. He has indicated that he might like to go back to Germany. Um, no. Not ready, for, not no. ready for that quite yet. Um, so Pascal, please give us a, a bit more of your your time. Um, Aaron, you know, we talk about the second goal, fantastic finish um, from Facundo Buonanotte. He's another young lad that's really stepped up in the absence of some of the regular first team starters. Uh, he's he's been in a right back, a right back, sorry, a, you know, right midfield for Solly March. He's played in the centre, and in, in the absence of Julio and Ciso and Fatty, um, he's scored quite a few goals in the last month or so. I say month or so, yeah. He's he, you know he's been performing really well, um, and it was just a lovely finish. And he's really coming into his own. Yeah, no, he is. I think he's finally started to settle and find a place in the team, and I think his performances have shown that. And it's a credit to to the Zerbi to keep keeping him in where others probably would have dropped him, um, or sent him out alone or or whatever. But no, he's done really well. The finish was class, like you said, it was all really done by Gross. Really, the hard work. But um, I did see on Twitter people saying it's very similar to like a Messi sort of finish. Just opened up, opened his body up, left foot, top bins. Like it's a it's a very much Messi finish, but it's a yeah quality player. Um, Starting to get into his own now and a great finish. And well deserved them, mad. Yeah, definitely so. You I mean I mean I'm gonna come back to you on this one, Joe, because I think it'd be fair to say that Joe, in the far in the past, sorry, you've been quite quick critical of, of Facundo Buonanotte. I remember distinctly last season, I'm not saying you, but he got absolutely slated. I think we were losing a game, he came on quite late and he was just walking around. Mm. And it was just that was utter frustration of this young lad sort of just not really caring, but it's yeah. that's a far cry from the Facundo Buonanotte that we're seeing now. Mm. Uh, do you put that down to just getting more experience or is it him playing more centrally, which is perhaps his better position? What do you put it down to? It's it's Deserby drilling into him that 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 longing for perfection, which obviously never comes in football. No one's no one's perfect, except for Lionel Messi, maybe. Um but it's just yeah, I, I think to sum it up the best, as you can see on his face when he scored that goal, he finally gets it, I think. He finally gets that he can be that young superstar 
as well as Inciso, as well as Hinshelwood, as well as anyone else that comes through, because he's he's got the ability. The ability's always been there. Um, and yes, you you're rightly uh, pointing out that he, he's playing more centrally now. I think he's been given <clears throat> a task by Deserby, a role by Deserby that he can really take ownership of. Um, and he does it to perfection. Um, I am really sorry to the listeners, by the way, because my voice from yesterday is absolutely fucked. So, um, yeah, there you go. But, yeah, I, I think um, the, the perfect way to sum up, Tom, the, the journey that Bruno Nice has been on, just look at his celebration. He really gets it now. Here's a good question from Jason. Does he make a start when full squad is back? I hope he does. But will be understandable if you know he if if he if feel he is ahead of his time in our team. I think it's one of those things where I would say that when Veltman comes back, you know Hinchelwood still starts because Hinchelwood has earned that spot. I think if Facundo Buonanotte keeps playing well, it, it should be his spot to lose. Um, I don't think Enciso should come straight back into it, and he probably won't do if we're managing his. Uh, minutes um well same with fatty um i would even imagine that when matoma comes back we'll manage his return and the same uh, same with simona dingra um but i would say i always think that you know places should be won on merit not just uh, because of the name on the back of your shirt so um we'll have to wait and see it's a it's a good point to make uh dagan what do you think does buonanate keep his uh his his place in the squad when everyone is back fully fit yeah, it's a really it's a really good question, right? I think the the big question is who plays on the right. That that for me is the is the real question because I think that dictates everything else that happens. We can reasonably expect Matoma is going to have his spot on the left. You know, one of Jao Pedro Ferguson Welbeck will will start pretty much every game at the nine. If if it's Ferguson or Welbeck with Jao Pedro, he often operates centrally. And then you've got someone else on the right. Could that be Facundo moving back out where we've seen him not look not as strong? I think that's possible if we're trying to just, again, squeeze him into the team. Uh, but if a dinger comes back and he's ready, perhaps he takes that spot back. It's, there's going to be a real question of who those those guys are. Um, having you mentioned Ansu Fati, who could very easily start in, in one or more of those spots. So, yeah, a tough, a tough problem, and, and we'll probably pick it apart. I don't think you'd say he'd be wrong to keep the spot. I don't think you'd be wrong for him to lose it. He hasn't been so spectacular that you couldn't say other guys couldn't do just as well. Um, you know, I think Deserby may ride the hot hand, uh, whoever that is, but that that's a benefit of having this level of depth. And I know we, we critique and feel like we don't have the depth of some teams, but we have a lot of depth in attack. Um, just wish we had a left-footed right winger. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if Barco fills fills that role and if he gets some opportunity there too. Because uh, Facundo, you know, could fill that role, but hasn't looked his best there. Yeah, I think, I think that's a, a fair assessment. I think when he is back, I think Adingra will uh, probably take that right spot. We've seen him play out there already and he scored from that position a couple of times now as well. Um, I initially was a bit sort of, ooh, but at USG, he played as a left winger because he likes to cut in. But actually, he's performed quite well out there on the right. Um, so we go into the half. It's 3-0 uh, up. Um, and uh, Michael Elisi comes on and then goes off. So that was nice, Chloe. I mean, Elise out, Eze out. Um, what's his face? He, get, he came, um, went off injured in the first half. So in terms of that, that was a... Uh, that was pretty good for us, uh, not having to deal with um, those three. Um, was it almost comical um, seeing Elise come come onto the pitch and then leave minutes later? Oh, yeah. Um, I can't lie. When he came on, I was a bit like, he's quite a good player, you know. Um, I don't like to say that about a Palace player, but he is a decent player. Um, and even though we were 3-0 up, you never know. Um, but when he went off, it was just like, why the hell did you bring him on if he's not fit? Like, it's hilarious because it's Palace, um, but it's like such a weird decision, I think. Um, so, yeah, and it, it was good to see because obviously he's not the sort of player you want playing against you. 
definitely, definitely so. Um, and the chance uh, ringing around uh, the Amex that uh, were very good, uh, aimed at Roy Hodgson. Very good. Well done to all of you, those of you who were in attendance. I just want to come back to this comment from, uh, who was it? I think it was Lewis. Does Webster go in the summer? Um, yes. Yes, 100%. Yes. <laughs> Aaron, very quick with the yes there. Yeah, I think he has to go, Lewis, if I'm being brutally honest. I think he plays well in a back three. In a back two, I think he's always got a clangor in him, quite injury prone. I like the lad. He's a, you know, he seems like a genuinely nice guy. But I think with the emergence of Jan Paul van Hecker um, and Igor as well, who we've seen play, you know, across in a back three as well, or as as a left back, I think it's going to become increasingly difficult for him to to get into the starting eleven. Um, and you know, you just never know what talents we're going to bring up through our youth system um, that could take that spot so I think Webster has been a great servant to the club um but yeah I think uh I can't imagine he'll uh he'll stay much longer maybe another season perhaps but if his uh playtime is increasingly um well decreased then uh he'll probably want to move on himself anyway um Joe it wasn't to be a perfect afternoon and I don't want to be a Debbie Downer here um, but we did give away a cheap goal. Um, Brighton, perhaps in the second half, um, you know, took their foot off the gas, perhaps um, expected, um, having a lovely time playing Palace off the park. Uh, but it got a bit sloppy. Uh, we gave the ball away. Uh, Palace put in a cross. Uh, no one was particularly marking Mateta. Um, Mat- you know, it was a very good header, to be fair to him. Um, but were we a bit guilty of uh, taking it too easy uh, in the second half? It was at that moment, Tom, that I started to really shit myself. When Brighton and Hove Albion are 3-0 up, it's not comfortable. The only time I asked the guy in front of me if I could relax was when we went for, when it went 4-1 up. And, yeah, Palace getting a goal back. And then they'd had a little bit of a spring in their step after that as well. And you're thinking it, as you said in the group chat, Tom, they get the, the second goal, it's going to be back to the wall. Aaron is laughing. He's seen it before. Um, so, yeah, it was it was really scary. Um, but I thought we managed the, the rather weak-ish wave from Palace quite well um, and, and gained control back with some really good substitutions um, and it just swung the game back in our favour. Yeah, I agree. I think there was one moment that was a bit hairy. I think it was Edouard when he came on. He had a shot, and I think a better striker would have punished us um, from from memory. Um, but yeah, we uh, I I felt the same, Joe. Aaron, did you feel that? You know, they they get a goal back. I mean, a slight resurgence, a slight uh, you know spring in their step. Were you worried, or did you think that the job had realistically been done by that point? I mean, you're always worried with a two-goal lead anyway, regardless of which team you're playing against. And I did say at half-time to uh, my work CEO, he was there in one of the boxes, and I said to him, we'll find a way to fuck this up if we do. Like, it's a very much Brighton thing. And as soon as he, as soon as we conceded, he messaged me and was like, okay, maybe you were right. And I was like, give it time. And then, then I think we sort of woke up a little bit, and then they'd done nothing after that. To be fair, they didn't really do anything all game. They just shit, don't they? Really? Let's be honest. Right. They are pretty crap, to be fair. Yeah. I mean, they're. I think I was stood with Joe and Dan before the game when the teams got announced, and I read through the team, their team, and I'm thinking, Jesus, this are awful. Like, there is no one I'm worried about in this team, at all. Like, no one, and even Elise on the bench, he has hamstrings like cheese strings. So there was no way he was going to come on. And when he came on and he came straight off, it was just incredible. And then at that point, it was, yeah, they, they were done at that point. And yeah, if, if, uh, if I was a Palace fan, I worry, I worry, I worry I've left when we were 3-0 down at Sellers Park. Um, so I know how they feel on that one. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Fairs. Yeah, they, they 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 did start leaving in their droves about half time. Um, I just want to come to this point, uh, Lewis. Do you think João Pedro will break the Brighton Premier League goal scoring record? I think Lewis, he's got a chance to do it if 
he stays around long enough. I think um, with how he's performing this season, I think it's not unrealistic to think that in the summer he may have some pe- uh, other teams sniffing uh, around him. You can guarantee one of them will be Chelsea, who will probably put in a bid for two hundred billion pounds. Um, but hopefully, we hopefully Pedro is got his head screwed on straight, and we'll go. Hang on. That's a stupid idea. Chelsea are shit. Um, so, <laughs> posy pause. Pep, yeah, them lot. We're never going to get back into the game. I could have played the last ten minutes and we'd still have won four one. Yeah, they were they were really poor. But then when you play Jeffrey Schlupp up front, what do you expect? Dagan, uh, the sense that you're eager to say something. Well, I was going to say the the commentary here remarked on the change of sound in the stadium, that there was a real unease that was palpable after that goal went in, which in a game that it seemed like we hadn't, you know, comfortably in hand, I would say it was not that dissimilar to what it sounded like when Tottenham scored and made it four, one and then scored right again and made it four, two. And it just seemed like, Oh my gosh, are the wheels going to come off? And I was fearful that it was going to turn into that where we just sort of had to survive the rest of the way. But You'll lead us to how things turned uh, on its head. Things turned on its head uh, with quite a lovely uh, little little run of play. Oh, it was lovely, wasn't it? Chloe, let's talk about our fourth goal. Lovely, lovely interplay. Jean-Paul Van Hecker to João Pedro down our right, who combined brilliantly with Welbeck, who who delivered a beautiful back flick Jal Pedro runs into space and he slots home his 19th goal of the season absolutely sublime interplay absolutely sublime finish with the outside of his foot um I bet the stands were absolutely bouncing yeah it was just brilliant um I loved his celebration um didn't see it at the time but all the clips after it's just brilliant isn't it I absolutely love Jao Pedro. Um, he's such a good um, player. Um, he's sort of got lots of good qualities other than just putting the ball in the back of the net. Um, and, yeah, it was just great to get that four because then it's like, oh, phew, we're definitely going to win this now. That's what it sort of felt like to me. Um, and, yeah, it was a great understanding between him and Welbeck um, for that move. Um, nice little one-two that... Um, yeah, it was great to see and great goal. Um, yeah, and all four goals, I think, were good goals, which is really nice to see. Definitely, definitely, definitely. I mean, that that fourth goal, just because of the interplay and perhaps a bit, maybe a bit about who it was against, uh, anyone think that might be a goal of the season contender? For, you know, because it was a cheeky little back hill against Palace. You've got to love that sort of play. Um, I'm sure we'll have some, um, you know, long-range screamers in there as well. Um, But no, the game ended relatively comfortably 4-1. But just before the final whistle blew, it was the return of of Fatty. And Joe, he almost scored. Almost. Not too far away at all. Um, What a return that would have been. Yeah, it would have been a great return. there were too many people in front of me to see whether or not he, he managed to get a touch on it, but obviously just watched the highlights after. Um, and he was very, very close. Um, just, I, I don't know what Pascal was doing. Was it, I think, was he shooting? I think he was shooting. The ferocity of his, it came off his boot, definitely looked like a shot anyway. Um, yeah, it's great to have a winger back. Um and we're going to have more wingers back very soon. Um, and I, I think that's probably been uh, played a part in us losing our form a little bit. Uh, obviously not scoring in almost five hours of Premier League football. Um, and yeah, it's it's clear to see that a different dynamic um, is given to us when we do have wide, quick players. Um, and Ansu Fati wasn't on for long, but I thought he looked a handful and he looked ready. Um, so long may that continue and let's see, let's hope that we see more of him uh, at Spurs yeah I think um, you've hit the nail on the head Joe you know wingers are so important to the way we play because our strikers you know drop deep and wingers go high and wide 
um you know it's just can i uh, can I also give a shout out to not not you, Tom, but Tom in the chat, Tommy, who sits in front of us. Um, he filmed the uh, the celebrations and the goal that we put on our Instagram yesterday, um, and it was great footage. So well done, mate. Um, and yeah, it was good to good to celebrate that with you. Good skills and a good name as well, my friend. Very good name. Um, so game ends 4-1 we thump the palace uh, and Aaron I would like to now for you to tell me who was your player of the match I bet there was a few that were up in contention uh probably Pedro for me I think his work rate was that's probably the best I've actually seen him play I think to, to be honest with you I thought he was absolute quality and he deserved that goal uh there was a couple there was a couple uh you could have been nominated, but yeah, no, Pedro for me. And uh, one thing I will mention, the, the actual atmosphere was probably the best it's been for a while. Uh, and the limbs was unreal. Like, it was madness. Like, it was the first proper time there's been limbs. I'm like, yeah, this is actually fun. Like, this is uh, just people just falling over me. It was a mess. It was great. Like, it might have been fun for you, Aaron. I got punched in the face by my mother. I was happy got beating the shit out of when we scored. I don't care. But, yeah, it was unreal. Like, we had a bunch of lads around us who I've not seen before, but they were such a great laugh. And, yeah, it was absolute carnage. Absolute carnage. Loved it. Yeah. And that's what football should be about. I bet the limbs between the second and the third goal just felt like oh, an unmatched. sort of... Unmatched. Crazy. It, it reminded me very similar to Fulham in the Championship. Where Duncan Knockhart, yeah. Duncan Knockhart scored, and it was one after the other. That's that's what it felt like. It was yeah, Very crazy, incredible. I hadn't even finished celebrating the second goal. It's ridiculous. I look up and then suddenly Fagundo Bonanotte's putting the back of the net. Like, phew, incredible. Very good, Dagan. Who's your player of the match, please? Oh man, so many worthy folks. Ja Pedro was all over the place, as others have said. Um, so I imagine, again, without that first goal, them getting their goal and it being 2-1 instead of 3-1 and how different the game is. It, given how many good performances there were, I, I just lean towards the thing that happened first because I think it changed everything after that. I think the fans were how they were because Dunk scored You know, a couple of minutes into the game. It's Lewis Dunk for me. He's our rock. He's our mountain. Um He's not perfect, but he's he's ours. And uh, I think he deserves it of anyone in a game where you could give it to almost everyone. Yeah, he certainly is the wind beneath our wings. Chloe, who was your player of the match? Uh, I'm going to agree with Aaron. I'm going for Jao Pedro as well. Fair is fair. Joseph Sayers, man of the match, please. I'm going to give a little bit of a left field shout because I want to be different. I'm going to go just for his goal alone for Kondo Bonanotte because I've I've slated that boy a bit too much and, and I apologise. I almost feel like it's full screen apology worthy, um, but I'm, I'm not 100% sure yet. A little bit more consistency maybe and then we'll, we'll, we'll do it on the next episode. Um, but yeah, ju- just for sticking it out and being a really good professional and scoring against the scum. Yeah, I think that that, that that's a good shout. Um, I think you've all sort of alluded to it. There were so many good performances uh, across the pitch. I thought Igor looked looked very good. Buenanote, uh, very good. Um, Pascal Gross, very, very good. Um, again, I'm going to give it to someone who's maybe not left field, but I'm going to give it to Lamptey. Um, just just because, you know, he if it wasn't for him, that corner for the first goal never happens. You know, lovely cross uh, for the second goal. And it was just so refreshing to see him running at, at, at Palace players. You know, it was like Lamptey of old. Um, and I, I truly, genuinely hope, you know, all joking aside of who? Who? Tarek Lamptey? Who? All joking aside, I, I really hope he, he can string some games together. Um because he, he he's just so electric and he just gave us a dynamic that we'd been missing for so long. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it out to Lamptey, who might not have been as stellar as any, you know, as Dunk or Gross, but you know, or, or or Pedro. Um, 
but you know i'm gonna give it to him as a pure sort of like i see you my guy you did good you did good um so there you go four one lovely jubbly we talk about the roller coaster of this week from four nil down against luton to four one against crystal palace football's a funny old game and one week is a long time in football um, so let's look ahead then to our next game, which is going to be a tough one. Tottenham Hotspur. Um, they've just come off of a draw, I believe, against Everton, um, who we play also relatively uh, uh, soon. Uh, Joe, Spurs, a difficult team to beat. Ange Postacoglu has got them playing some pretty good football. They do look susceptible, though. They are beatable. We have done it ourselves. Um, how do you see this one going? Yeah, um, and I think what you've seen in recent games is that they're quite easy to rattle as well. Quite easy to anger. Um, if we can do that, get their crowd onto their back, um, hit them early, hopefully. Um, I'm sure Deserby is not going to let the, the levels drop. Um, I think this Palace game is, is a huge turning point for our season. Um, as we know, I was I was rock bottom uh, when we lost to, to Luton, but I really do believe that these, these players coming back are, are really going to fire us up a little bit and and hopefully fire us up the league as well um, and obviously Europa League coming back as well so lots of good things to look forward to um, for us to sort of get, put that energy into these performances um, and, and get some points uh, on the board. I wouldn't be too disappointed with a draw um, but I, I really want revenge at their place for last season really badly. Yes, last season. That was one of the very few times that we've done an immediate post-match, like within the hour post-match analysis because of just how god-awful that was. Um, Aaron, you know, we, you know, all joking aside with Spurs, you know, Richarlison is looking pretty handy at the minute. Um, how do you see the game against Spurs at their place going? Yeah, it'd be a difficult, a difficult one. They're, they are pretty good at home, but like... Like Joe said, they're easily rattled. It just it all depends on what Brighton turn up, really, and it also depends on what Tottenham turn up. If Tottenham want to play their normal way, they'll it'll be a very very difficult game. If they sort of roll over like they did on a Saturday afternoon against Everton, then we're in it's anyone's guess. You know, it's the opportunity there to get back to back wins, but you know, it all depends on on what teams turn out. Yeah, I think you, you, you're spot on there. I mean, we've seen two polar opposites of Brighton Hove Albion this week. Um, you know, and they said, I think it was on match of the day. You just never know what Brighton are, you're going to get. Um, and I think that's sort of, um, this is, that's sometimes what Sometimes maybe good, yeah. sometimes maybe shit. Yeah, but that's what happened this time last year. Um, you know, we were getting a lot of games very close together. Um, you know, we'd be a brilliant one game and then the next game we'd be all over the shop. So, Let's hope we don't get a repeat of that. We can string some consistency. Dagan, uh, Spurs, I know you're not the biggest fan of the Spurs. Um, how do you see it going? Uh, should be missing Son. Is he still in the Asian Cup? Uh, we got him 4-2 at our place. Van de Ven's back. I'm going to go with 2-3 in our favor. Mm, yeah, I think... Um, I can't see it being a nil-nil. You know, as Lewis has said in the comments, I can't see it being a nil-nil. Um, let's hope that we can continue our scoring one run after a bit, pretty barren, well, a completely barren January. Uh, Chloe, uh, finally, same thing to you. Uh, how do you see the game against Spurs going? Yeah, hopefully we can get a bit of revenge because that game last season was just... It just felt like a robbery, really, um, and it would be really nice to win at their place. Um, I'm going to go with 2-1. I do think there will be goals in that game um, because it's us and we do score and we do concede. Um, I think that's the one thing about Brighton you can generally rely on. Um, but, yeah, hopefully it'll be a good game. I think as long as we bring our scoring boots with us, or our shooting boots, I should say, um, you know, we should hopefully be able to hold our ground and, and get the win. I'm going to, I think I'm going to be boring and copy you, Dagan, 3-2. I think um, it'll be a potential goal fest. We'll just have to hope that we can get um, get one up on them, especially after the travesty that was last year. God, that made me angry. Um, but no, 
Thank you very much, uh, viewers, uh, for joining us on this live stream. It has been absolutely fantastic uh, being back with the Albion Obsessed. Uh, sorry for our absence, uh, but no, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Aaron would like to say something. Say some words, Aaron. <clears throat> you boys up the road took one hell of a beating. Go back to your caravans. Go on. Toodaloo. Toodaloo. Your home has a, your home has a handbrake. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. What he said was that there are teachers and there are pupils. Know your Know place. your damn fucking place. Good night, yeah. everybody. If you're not sure, maybe you just check the uh, the league table and you can see your place. <laughs> no, thank you uh, very much, guys, uh, for joining us. Fantastic to be back. Uh, if you are watching this later on YouTube, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe for more content if you haven't done so already. Don't forget to check out One Clop Shop because we've still got our affiliation with them. And if you enter the code Albion Obsessed, you will get 10 whole percentages off your order. So uh, if you're into your awesome football shirts, just like that one that's behind Dagan there, you can grab 10% off your order using Albion Obsessed as a code. You might not get that one that Joe is showing you, though. Uh, we don't want to be done for false advertising. Uh, the only thing that's left for me to say, guys, is once again, thank you. And wherever you may be, whenever you may be, we will see you next time. Take care.